0: This week, why Christian Horner is backing Alex Alban and the journey that Max Verstappen has been on to become team leader. And now, from Tom's penthouse suite in Barcelona and my old kitchen table, this is F1 Nation. Lights out in Barcelona, and it's a brilliantly dominant performance for Lewis Hamilton.
1: Didn't even know his last lap. Awesome. It was a virtuoso performance, a guy doing it better than anybody else. And I'm not talking about AJ's commentary, good though it was. I'm talking about Lewis Hamilton. Win number 88 was one of his very best. So let's talk F1 on the nation with me, Tom Clarkson. And me, Alex Jakes. Well, Hamilton was in
0: the zone. He didn't even know that he'd crossed the line, which is always terrific for a commentator because you're looking, hold on, is that checkered flag out? I made a muppet of myself once again. No, that is the end of the race. We're all good. It's all fine. And standing on a podium, TC, for the 156th time, more than anyone in Formula One history. Another record, maybe not the main one that we'll talk about when this season is concluded,
1: but another record for Lewis Hamilton. It was extraordinary. And actually, in the press conference straight after the race, for the first time in a while, I sensed he was a little bit emotional about that. I put that question to him. And he he checked himself and just went, to be mentioned in the same breath as Michael Schumacher and Ayrton Senna, he said, I still can't get used to it.
0: I wonder if that's something that you only appreciate when you stop as a driver. Interesting stuff, that. So a great performance for Hamilton, an impressive performance from Verstappen, but a difficult day for Valtteri Bottas and surprising to hear him saying that he can see the championship drifting away. I know that that is reflective of what, Everyone might be thinking. Strange to hear it from the man himself,
1: though. Yeah, it was a difficult day for him. But do you know what, AJ? Made even more difficult when he came in from the podium. Because the cool-down room in Spain has a TV in the corner. And the volume was up, and I think they were watching Sky F1. Not the
0: PLC on F1 TV (laughs) available in over 70
1: countries around the world. What?! (laughs) If we ever go back to Spain, I'll set them straight, AJ. Good, I promise. good, but good. I'm glad. Imagine this you've just had a really bad race. You've come in, all a little bit faux celebrations on the podium, spraying champagne. Last thing you want to <laughs> do because you've just had your nose dragged through the dirt. He then comes in, just as Nico Rosberg is slagging Valtteri Bottas on the TV. Oh, no! Yes, and I'm told no. he was just wiping his brow with a towel, staring at the TV, just going, what is that man saying? And at that moment, Rosberg was saying, I can't believe he left the door open on the right-hand side on the run to Turn 1, letting Stroll through.
0: Is that Rosberg critiquing someone's opening lap in Spain? The two Mercedes come together!
1: Interesting. (laughs) Yes, interesting. Yeah, but he'll blame the overtake button or something, won't
0: he? Yeah, the wrong mode that forced him to chop across from the left (laughs) to the right-hand side of the track. Either way, not unfair criticism. The brutal reality of when you are winning in Formula 1, everyone wants to know you in that paddock. When you're struggling, it's a very lonely place to be, especially if you time your appearance in the cool-down room
1: at exactly the wrong moment. Too true, mate. And and Hamilton, it was a virtuoso performance. And it seems a bit of a contradiction, but it was a tyre management race, but also a brilliant driver performance from Hamilton. And that seems a contradiction, but actually the way he managed those tyres and was able to get more out of his tyres than anybody else while slapping faster than anybody else is a real skill that we all praise Max Verstappen for uh, after the 70th anniversary Grand Prix at Silverstone. And it was Hamilton stay on Sunday to get that price. Because
0: we never saw Lewis Hamilton in a Minardi or a Toro Rosso or a team further towards the back of the grid, we never got those days like we did with Alonso, like we did with Vettel, where you could clearly see an exceptional performance with average machinery. And because he's always been basically in a race-winning car, only driver in the history of the championship to win a race in every season he's competed, we maybe don't appreciate his ability with tyre management as much.
1: Great point, AJ. I mean, the closest he's got to a bad car is, I think, 2009. What was his other option? Let's say they put him
0: in the Sauber, right? Let's say they put him in the Sauber, like they were talking of doing with Gary Paffitt around that that same time. Yeah. He's in the Sauber. He would have got a podium in the Sauber. He would, he would have, you know, Vettel yeah. had with yeah. Monza in 2008. You would have yeah. seen a, a facet of the driving yeah. that, put yeah. him so much further ahead you have to look a little bit harder but the skill undoubtedly there and that's what we saw on yeah. sunday
1: no giant killing performance because he's always been the giant
0: time now for a regular feature on f1 nation it's sebastian vettel's radio corner
2: okay here's the task for you to fix them to the end and then what do i have to do to stay ahead We come
1: back to
2: you 23 4, 23, 5,
3: at the end. I can do. I can do that. I'll have five nothing to lose. That's what
2: I was asking
0: for. Another radio message from Sebastian, this time giving a task to the team. I'm not sure I've ever heard that phrase used by a driver to the team. I'm really loving the reality. We're getting shown the reality of what it's like behind closed doors, what we don't normally
1: hear. He's masking nothing right now. And it makes you realise what they're giving away when he leaves that team. That experience is absolutely crucial. He's making calls in the car that without him would have led to a a repeat of Hungary when Charles Leclerc was put on the wrong tyres. And we saw it with Hamilton in the race as well. When uh, he said, don't put me on the soft tyre at the end of the race, put me on the medium tyre. And so Vettel has still got it. And I thought it was quite interesting after the race when the previous week Charles Leclerc had been... um, praised up and down the pit lane for his one-stop strategy to fourth place. Vettel, one-stop strategy to seventh, admittedly, but still a great drive, pretty much unnoticed in the pit lane. There was none of the eulogy that we had the previous week. And so I I thought that was a reflection of where Sebastian is at as well in terms of his popularity, really. I thought he'd get more praise for a drive like that. Here's a guy who's got his mojo back. It was a much better weekend for him. Yes, he didn't make it through to Q3 on Saturday, but it was only a tiny amount slower, really, than his teammate. Yet, Sebastian, you sort of feel that there are people in the pit lane who want to see the back of him, I feel, and that's, that's harsh. He was presented on Thursday with... Question after question in the press conference about his future. He took it on the chin. He answered each one as thoroughly as he could. Uh, He didn't shy away from anything. And yes, the sport will miss him. What's he going to do? I said on this show a week ago that I think a deal has been agreed in principle with Racing Point, and I stand by that. I hate seeing Sebastian suffering, and I think if this continues, I would love to see him walk away. He's got nothing to prove in my eyes, and I just want to see a happy Sebastian Vettel, who could then maybe come back to the sport in a different capacity in years to come. AJ, do you know what? I'd love to see him in a commentary box next to you. I think it would be that would be gold dust, mate.
0: And should he announce his retirement from Formula One, I'm taking that straight to the big bosses. Of F1 TV, right? Just time to check in with Kimi Raikkonen, making friends with Roman Grosjean.
2: Look what the f- that idiot I was already turning, and it almost took
1: me
0: off. Roman Grosjean is the head of the GPDA, and most of the GPD
1: cannot stand the way he drives. <laughs> He's just reminding them what you mustn't do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And one of the things Grosjean has done quite a lot of, and that's what Kimi was unhappy with there, is moving under braking when he's being overtaken. Well, one of the kings of overtaking this year has been Alex Albon. Uh, And when you put his overtaking ability next to the star quality and speed of Max Verstappen, that's a pretty strong driver lineup. So we thought we'd catch up with Red Bull Racing boss, Christian Horner. Lovely to see you.
3: Thank you very much. Nice to see most of you too.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Do you know what, it's, actually, it's true. It's nice to actually sit opposite you, albeit socially distanced, but so much of this life we lead now is, is Zoom, isn't it? And uh, a yeah. face-to-face interview is rare.
3: Absolutely. So, uh, you know, it's the new the new world at the moment. So uh, Zoom and team schools, and hopefully in coming, coming weeks and months, we'll be able to get a little bit back, you know, more to normality. A bit more like this. Now, six races in, what's been the highlight so far? I think the highlight has been the way that Max has been driving the car, to be honest with you. I mean, obviously, we, we achieved that phenomenal win last week at Silverstone, uh, which was against the odds. I don't think any of us expected to have that kind of pace. Um, but I think really the way he's driven this year at every single Grand Prix, he's, uh, you know, just delivering at an incredibly high level and, and with great tenacity um, and just just doesn't give up. Where's he improved since last year? I think already last year, when he stepped into that sort of team leader role, um, he, he's really risen to that challenge. He's taken off where he left off last year. He drove some great races, you know, last year, and he's carried that form into this year. So, you know, we're, um, you know, desperate to get some performance on our, on our car so that we can put a sustained, you know, challenge to uh, to Mercedes together. You know, you talk about his tenacity. Does that? Sort of come out in the car.
1: Is there greater consistency from him this year?
3: Yeah, I think he's he's consistency is is right there, and I think you, how controlled he is in the races. You can hear, you know, how relaxed he is in the car, how much capacity he has, um, has been truly impressive. So, uh, you know, the, the the performance in Austria in the wet, you know, Hungary, the comeback after the the, the one blot on his copybook this year on the parade lap. Um, you know, the, the Silverstone, the first race, um, the second race, you know, he's been he's been on fire this year. I thought when you were going to mention your highlights of the year, it might have been the way the mechanics turned it around on the grid in Hungary. But that, I think just the teamwork in general has been phenomenal, whether it's pit stops that they've done five of the fastest so far. You know, the way that they've turned the car around in difficult situations like on the grid, they've been they've been absolutely phenomenal. Now look, you've been here since the
1: beginning. Here, Red Bull Racing begin. Yeah. Is the vibe still very
3: similar to back in the early days, or how has it changed? Um, well, compared to the very early days, you know, we were finding our feet, we were establishing ourselves, and then we got into a period between 2009 and and 13 of of, of winning and winning championships. And then since you know the the V6 hybrid formula came in in 2014, we've been. Uh, you know, we've been very much the bridesmaid, I suppose. Um, Mercedes have had that dominance, but it just feels that you know there's a real determination. The partnership from Honda is working very well. Um, the team is largely unchanged from that the dominating period that we had. We've, of course, we've strengthened it in areas, but when I look around the room in the engineering office, many of the faces are the same ones that were winning championships back in you know 2010 to 2013. So. Um, I think that you know everybody is desperate to get into a into a championship challenge again, and you know we're working our uh, you know our hardest to get into that position. Do you think this is the most competitive you've been in the hybrid era now? Uh, yes, I do. I think that we've had races um, that uh, you know we've benefited from strategy or from uh, you know days that Mercedes have had off days. But if I look at Silverstone last weekend you know, that was genuinely a race where we, we outraced them on that day. So, you know, we just need to have more Sundays like that. When are we going to see you outpace them? Um, You've outraced them, but what about outpace them? Yeah, I mean, obviously we've got changes coming in qualifying, how much that will affect the running order is to be seen. But, um, you know, we've got to make some improvements to our car as well, which everybody's working very hard on. Um, and I would hope during the second half of the year that that we do find that pace, so yeah, you know, that's what we're very focused on. Because of course, this car we take into next year as well. It's quite apt that we're having a chat really in Barcelona, because this is where you first drove the LB16
1: back in February. Yeah. How's it? How's it changed? What are the drivers saying between then
3: and now? Well, of course, it's very different conditions, but uh, you know, the car has changed significantly between then and now. The aerodynamic upgrades that are bought, you know, to the car, it's most of the aero surfaces are different between you know, when we were here in February, March time, and now being back here in August. So quite different, um, and of course, you know, these temperatures make it very different in its characteristics. But one final question on Max. Do you think he'd benefit from having an
1: experienced teammate? This, you know, obviously great driver, but he's still very early in his career. And if he'd had a Vettel and Alonso, a someone else with that level of
3: experience would he be learning more than he's learning now? I think he learned a lot with Daniel but I think that he's at that level now where it wouldn't matter who you put next to him he's you know he, he's very very self-analytical he's pushing himself uh, he's always pushing to be better um, and you know he now has what five years with the Formula 1 experience behind him so he's he is very much our team leader I noticed a real change in him in the press conferences, at least. He yeah. seems
1: very re- more relaxed. Yeah. He's very engaging, more engaging than he was.
3: Have you been giving him a few tips or is that just a sort of maturity? I just thing? think that's where he's at at the moment. You know, I think that, you know, obviously these races, there's less distractions as well. Um, so it's just about the racing, you know, there's not the commercial pressures and so on. And I think that he's just, you know, at a in a, a state of mind where... Yeah. He is very relaxed, he's, he knows what he's got, he knows where we're at, he knows where we need to improve um, and he, he knows what he's doing and uh, I think he's you know, he's very comfortable with where he's at at the moment. Who's got the toughest job, Valtteri Bottas alongside Lewis Hamilton or Alex Albon alongside Max? Well, Both are in enviable seats, so you know, Valtteri has a lot more experience than Alex, I mean going up against Max arguably the most informed driver in Formula One at the moment you know it's, would be tough for any driver but you know Alex is still you know he's still very young and young in experience you know and he really in his in his you know five races into his second season so um, we see the potential in him we're seeing on Sundays his racecraft is very strong and I think it's only a matter of time before it all comes together for him but uh, yeah I think they're probably two of the hardest seats in Formula One to be Either the teammate to Max, or or indeed to Lewis. Go on then. Heart rate on the pit wall at
1: Silverstone last weekend when Alex was pulling those moves around the outside of Cops.
3: <laughs> yeah, there was a, a, a few on. squeaky <laughs> bum moments um, there. Yeah, th- because well, you know, those corners are seriously fast. You know, around the outside of Cops, and and I mean that showed immense bravery. Um, and uh, yeah, I think he impressed the whole team with his racecraft. He has raced incredibly well. You know, throughout the season, and I think that we just need to get him qualifying, and and obviously, starting this race on the on you know the third row is one of his best qualifications of the year. So hopefully, he can go with that lead pack. Where is he missing out in qualifying? When you look at the data, is
1: there one particular area where Max is getting him every time?
3: Well, I think you know our car is a little tricky to drive at the moment over a single lap, and I think it is a little bit insecure in certain areas whereas Max has got the confidence to drive through that you know Alex uh, needs the car to be a little bit more settled and I think that will come as we improve the car and hopefully therefore we'll see you know Alex's Saturday performances continue to improve. Has he
1: tried to drive around that problem?
3: Yes but he's a very deep thinking driver um, rather than a seat-of-the-pants driver so he you know he's trying to understand the car and uh, you know he's very sensitive um, to what the car is doing, whereas Max is far more robust in that respect. That you know the DRS stuck open on his quali lap in Hungary on the way into turn one, and he had a big snap of oversteer, but you know he had to look on a replay to see why, and it was oh the DRS is open. Um, for for other drivers that would have been probably a monumental spin. Um, so I think with Alex. You know, it's, it's time in the seat and it's just getting himself comfortable which is important for him and you can overthink this game can't you you can overthink the game and I think that uh, you know he just needs experience and I think with time that will that will come
1: this is the last race of yes. the second triple header um, how are you finding
3: it how's the team is everyone it, holding up okay it's busy it's, it's tough because it's different kind of conditions you know triple headers are tougher at the best of times so you know two lots of them thankfully two of them two of the races have been in silverstone so people got to go home but uh yeah everybody's everybody's races here we all want to go racing so we've got like a mini break coming up we've got a weekend off i mean we don't know what to do with ourselves um so uh yeah but you know everybody's enjoying the battle enjoying the fight and up for the challenge and do you feel that These races, because there's no
1: VIPs here, and all the teams are down to the sort of skeleton staff needed to run the cars. There's a real old school feel about this.
3: There is, and it's because it's just pure. It's just about going racing. It's about the cars and the track, and not some of the other ball that you got get sucked into. Um, And I think that uh, you know that's refreshing. I mean, even the podium at Silverstone. We won the race. It's like being at an indoor kart race, where there's just a few mechanics. Uh, you know, and team members clapping the drivers getting their podium. So um, it was a surreal feeling for such a big, a big result. But, um, yeah, it's just great to be racing again. And I think, you know, hopefully we can uh, continue to put on a good show and it won't be long before fans start coming back. But,
1: but do you think Formula One can learn anything from the phase it's having
3: to go through now? Yes, I think there's many things that you can... That you can learn and it does highlight that you know the racing is is key and i think that uh you know we all miss having the fans here uh, we all miss that atmosphere but i think that you know there's always lessons that that you can learn and certainly with the technology that is utilized now with zoom and teams meetings and so on it's it it, it opens up that communication whether that's with a factory whether it's with um, you know other engineering staff so it, it engages the factory more in what we're doing during a grand prix weekend all right final
1: question from me is um that was max
3: verstappen slamming the door
1: i take it he was smiling you can't see because of the mask can we right this championship yeah you got it in you
3: look i think we're very much the outsider we're a, you know we're 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 a long shot but we're still in it and uh it's a, a weird season this year because of the disruption but you know we'll one thing about us is we'll never give up always great to hear from christian horner there and what i like most
0: of all about that is he was determined to conduct the interview face to face he's clearly missed having you ask him questions
1: tc Do you know what? i'm loving these face-to-face things zoom is great because you can be nice and lazy and you can just sit at home chatting to whoever you want wherever in the world but actually to go face to face it You forget just as a journalist, when you're talking, okay, they're still hidden behind a mask. But yeah, it was good. It was good to chat to him. I found his praise of Max Verstappen is is obvious. It's not a new thing for Christian to praise him. Um, But I thought it was interesting how he said he's grown and how he doesn't need an experienced driver alongside him uh, because he's learned a lot from Daniel. And it's now just polishing the gemstone now and got the team. in. he's really matured, Max, I think, in the last 12 months. Let's hope those engine modes you know, make you a little bit closer to them, particularly in the race, and we can actually have a proper championship, proper second half of the championship.
0: Well, on the other side of the garage, it's interesting that you mentioned the engine modes because they're being banned from Spa. Spa will mark one year of Alex Albon in the car. And maybe there might be a few people listening to this slightly surprised by the way that Christian Horner is backing Alex Albon because it's been tough. A reminder to everyone in that year with the team yet to stand on a Formula One podium. But Christian Horner seems very happy with the way that Albon has adapted to what is clearly a very difficult car to take to the limit.
1: I think the feeling within Red Bull is that of all the young drivers out there, no one would be doing a better job with that car than Alex Albon at the moment. It's tricky to drive. He's brave. He's clearly resilient. You know, he hasn't given up. He's really uh, been put under a bit of pressure recently. The press have been getting on his back a bit, and yet we're seeing him Growing as a driver, I thought it was a better weekend for him in Spain, both in quali. Yes, compromised by the strategy in the race, but he never gives up. We still, hey, last week, AJ, we saw him going round the outside of a couple of drivers at Cops. This week, round the outside of Magnussen at turn three, and then he went round the outside or had a damn good go at going around the outside of Carlos Sainz at four. And I think that the racer in Helmut Marco, and the racer in Christian Horner really respects that. And I think 100% support him. And we're going to see Alex Albon certainly see out the season. I mean, some people have been saying, are they going to swap them before the end of the season? Absolutely not. And I think he's got a long term future at Red Bull.
0: So swap them would be Albon with Gasly. Gasly seems in a great place with the Alpha Tauri team, but Red Bull giving public backing to Albon in a way that we didn't really ever see with the young Frenchman.
1: Kudos to Pierre Gasly. He is doing a phenomenal job, but I don't think we're going to see any swapping. I think it's likely to be Danny Kafir out and Yuki Tsunoda, who's winning races uh, in Formula 2 in the other car there.
0: I would like to see Yuki Tsunoda given another season in Formula 2. He is a driver that consistently improves. I think the Red Bull program could get into similar territory if they promote him after this year.
1: They've got form, haven't they, AJ? He'll be up there next year. <laughs> <laughs> he
0: probably will. He's a lovely bloke, and he would deserve his opportunity. You've just basically opened the door for me to talk about F2, which was very, it was very, circuits Barcelona Catalonia. It was very much the lowest ebb of the F2 season. Calamai lot in complete control. And it's like someone at F2 has a roulette wheel. That when they get, oh, it's a bit of a bit of a samey race, this. Let's spin the wheel. And then suddenly you've got you've got cars everywhere. The last lap was more frantic than the first lap because you had some drivers out there, including Yuki Tsunoda, on old tires. And he managed to hang on to fourth place. So in a weekend when everyone's been hanging on to their tyres extraordinarily at the end Yuki Tsunoda doing a very very similar job would have impressed a lot of people I don't know how he got fourth place but then again the guy who won the race Nobihara Matsushita won from 18th on the grid F2 doing F2 things
1: crazy race good fun
0: Absol- great fun well TC we have reached the end of another triple header and these races coming every single week, they are doing absolutely marvelous things to the friendship and the working relationship of the team principals down there in the paddock. As you know, having spoken to them every week, everyone's getting along really well. Everyone's being super friendly. And in the team principals press conference, well, it's just happy families right now, right?
2: Look, I thought uh, a lot of what Upmar said was, was accurate. Uh, I'm not an engineer. Uh, I don't know the rule book, uh, first page to the last page. But as CEO, um, you have a racing team, and it's their job to know the, the rule book and the the regulations. Um, in my time here leading McLaren, I've I've never been uh, fined uh, a dollar, let alone four hundred thousand. I've never been docked points. McGutmar um, thought it was seven and a half points until Sky Television pointed out. It was 15 points. And uh, as far as historic racing, I think people that know me uh, know I enjoy uh, historic uh, racing and uh, I'd invite Upmar to come join me because he's got a historic car that he's currently racing. So, um, you know, but that's all kind of part of uh, the race weekend fun. It's a Royal Rumble
0: on a Thursday. Man, are people stressed and irritable down there. Feels like you're going to say, now, AJ, what happened afterwards is that Otmar got Zach in a headlock.
1: I think he wanted to. I really do. I mean, as Zach was delivering that, imagine they sat next to each other, and as Zach (laughs) was delivering that, Otmar just looked directly ahead. Directly ahead. He didn't blink. He didn't say something. And I was trying to get his attention because I wanted to say, do you want to add anything? Do you want to come back at him? And he was just staring. I couldn't get his attention. I was waving at him. And uh, <laughs> and it was the li- I think the line that really hurt was uh, the one which saying, you know, and I, I'm I'm a fan, Zach saying, I'm a fan of historic racing. And well, you know, he's running, he's running in his historic car. So, you know, he, he knows he's obviously a fan as well. And uh, that was, I think the one that really got to Otmar and, I'm surprised Ottmar didn't come back and say, well, I mean, what's it like to get beaten by a historic
0: car? <laughs> I thought Ottmar repaid the favour later in the weekend when he said, oh, we're not the third fastest car. Clearly implying that McLaren are the third fastest car, knowing full well that McLaren are not the third fastest car. This nonsense is going to run and run and run. And it's all good fun, isn't it, deep down?
1: Yeah. And then just imagine next year, they're both going to have the same Mercedes engine pushing their cars along. So the rivalry is going to get even more intense between Otmar and Zach. Zach, of course, heading across the pond as we speak, because he's going to the Indy 500 where the great Fernando Alonso is driving uh, this weekend. I don't think he's got a great start position, but just talking about another team principal, Cyril Abitaboul was asked about this at the weekend and Cyril said, I am so nervous. I am so (laughs) nervous about this race. I can't sleep properly until after the Indy 500 because, of course, Alonso is going to be a Renault driver next year and he just wants him to see out Sunday's race.
0: Yeah, hopefully the 33 in the field uh, all come back safe and well and it looks like it will be a fantastic race. Could have an Andretti ending the curse. Could have Fernando Alonso becoming the second driver ever to win the Triple Crown. Uh, not a bad advert for the Indy 500.
1: Yeah, and not a bad way for you, AJ, to spend your weekend off. Well, I thought that what I
0: really needed to do was uh, talk into a microphone more.
1: Well, AJ, another show done. I oh, Mate, I've got to go to the airport.
0: It looked, uh, looked a lovely luxury penthouse you were in this week, honestly. I, mate, at as least, ever. At least we
1: know where the budget goes. The- <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. mate, as ever. Uh, do you know what? This hotel hasn't been the greatest. There's been no hot water for most of the week. So fussy, TC, honestly. Yeah. Well, the great Jody Schechter will tell you that you never have a hot shower because that's bad for you. You only have cold showers. Not really my thing. But it, And it gets a bit tiresome after a while. Got to be honest, Jodie.
0: I think the people in the room next to you might need a cold shower, given yeah. how many times we've had to stop recording this podcast. Yeah.
1: And uh, if any, any noises did sneak into this recording, do let us know uh, what you thought you heard. Uh, at hashtag F1 Nation. And aside from that, hashtag F1 Nation for
0: any questions, any comments. You can also leave us a review. We would very much appreciate that. Subscribe whilst you're there as well. Why not? What have you got to lose? Thanks to Christian Horner. Thanks to Tom Clarkson. Thanks to you for listening. A rare week off for Formula One. Not sure what we're going to do with ourselves, to be honest. But I can guarantee you, next Tuesday, where you get your podcasts, F1 Nation will return. And we
3: will speak to you then.